Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Dan. How are you? Back from the uh, international break, nice and fresh. Yeah, look, it's uh, it was a weird, weird feeling not having to uh, get up at two o'clock in the morning to watch a game of football. Um, oh, I feel like I and we don't have to do it up. again. We got the and yeah, now the, we don't the, have, have, yeah. have to again. Yeah, I think I feel like I probably woke up on Saturday, like Sunday morning, real early just for a minute, and was like, oh well. Oh, quick, I got to get the co- get the coffee on and get ready, and then realize that there was no game and rolled back over. But um, I mean, the international that scene, that international scenes have been interesting enough to yeah, keep us satisfied. A few crazy results and upsets and unexpected uh, and omissions pretty- from the from the world upcoming World Cup. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and a few results that probably went just the way we were expecting them, unfortunately for Australia. Yeah, but. look. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I was, I didn't expect, I didn't, I probably didn't really expect that. I thought we, they, the soccerers had played pretty well, but, um, but, you know, Japan's pretty good. They probably did, just, probably should have expected them to beat us. But, I mean, they got two goals in the like 90th and 92nd yeah. minute or something. It's, it's not as bad as it looks. No. Everyone's making no, a that's right. out of it. Um, it probably wasn't as bad as it looks either for City, looking back on uh, the Luton fixture from just about two weeks ago. Now, 3-1 loss in the end to Luton. Um, understandably, I think people were pretty frustrated after the game. It's it's fifth home game without a win, second one of these two-pound games trying to fill the stands that we've lost. Uh, I can understand the frustrations that, you know, you've got potentially some casual supporters coming in or people around Hull that aren't necessarily City supporters coming into the game. You want to give them a really good performance to, to get them to come back. Um, so frustrating from that sense. But I mean, we were sort of talking before the episode in, in terms of the performance, the context of Luton and, and where they sit in the table, n- not the most awful performance, I, I don't think. How did you see it? Um, yeah, look, I mean, as I said to you before, before we went on air, it's, it's a tough one because I didn't get to see any of this game. So I was away on my own uh, football preseason tournament weekend thing. So um, I was resting up for the games, uh, my games ahead. But um, watching the highlights, I mean, it was weird because I, I you know, looked in our group chat and a lot of the comments, comments that were made were pretty negative about how woeful we'd been and how disappointing it was and rah, rah, rah. And then... Now, when I watched the highlights, I was like that. That first goal, I was like, "Whoa!" That was like, I was like, I don't know what they were like. I didn't know. I don't know what they were thinking there in that moment. But like, yep, you know, we got beat. You know, made a mistake. They hit us quickly and and took advantage of that. Pretty much as bad a start as you could you could ask for. But I don't know. It looked like. I mean, all I saw was highlights. As I said, I didn't see the whole balance of the game. But as it it looked like, you know, it was a bit of to and fro, and the first half only was still 1-0, so it looked like we tried hard to work ourselves back into it. It looked like there was a couple of really nice passages of football around the Luton box where we, you know, got crosses in, and uh, I think we had one. There was a the keeper fumbled it, and Ease was on the charge. He almost sort of got it before they regathered, and, you know, a couple of, couple of half chances, and uh, I don't know. It looked, yeah, the, I, I felt like from the little snippets that I saw that the midfield wasn't quite working for whatever reason that was. But again, like it's hard to make a, a true uh, comment on that without having seen the whole game. I'm only seeing these little like 30 second clips, but there was a couple of moments throughout 
the highlights anyway, where it looked like Doherty and Smallwood weren't quite working as you would expect them to. Um, but, you know, if I'd have been watching to finish one nil half, like one nil half time after such a disastrous start where there's been, you know, plenty of games in our history where that horrendous start just gets compounded and compounded. Um, we at least made it to half time without, you know, copying any more damage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, and it's interesting because you, you talk about the midfield there and, and Doherty did come into the side for Slater. Um, I do wonder, I mean, the last couple of months, we haven't seen a whole lot from Doherty that's looked um, particularly positive. Um, I do wonder if we're starting to see sort of a, a changing of the guard and, and Slater becoming the more um, preferenced player in that first 11. Yeah, look, I think we've sort of talked about it a few times this year where Doherty has not really hit, seemed to hit his stride at all this season. He's had a few little nice little uh, little patches of form where he's gone pretty well, but I think for the most part he's been underwhelming. I mean, for me anyway, I mean, lots of people didn't think he'd step up, I guess, to this level anyway. There's lots of comments of it like that, but I thought he would be fine. Um, he just hasn't quite sort of worked it out um, this season um, for, for large parts, but if he's still here next season and he still gets a, like, and gets a run, then I think it might be one of those where with a full season under his belt um, that he'll you know, understand what he needs to do and everything a bit better next year, but uh, or next season, sorry. But yeah, I think um, Slater, Slater coming in has, I mean, from what the, I mean, considering he got asked, he's been played out wide, he's played in the middle, and he's yeah. been played in unfamiliar <clears throat> positions, and pretty much everywhere he's gone, he's given, you know, not maybe not a 10 out of 10, but like a good, you know, 8 or 9 out of 10 in pretty much all the games he's played for us this season, which is um, which is very impressive, especially those games on the when he was wide, uh, wide right as yeah. a right wing back or whatever. Like, I was like, oh, what's going on here? But he, um, you know, he put in a shift and he, you know, made some, did, did some good things. So, um, it could very well be that he is, you know, going to force his way, uh, forces that he is forcing his way in. I think it leaves good headaches for Avaladze, you know, in in terms of, you know, midfield options and who's going to who's going to play. But I think, um, yeah, the second goal, second goal against Luton was real weird. I just didn't, I don't get what what was going through anyone's head there, like. And, and this is and this is the interesting thing of, of watching the highlights because I I, don't, I missed the second half of this game and I saw the first highlights package of this I saw was uh, last Monday we get a sort of a, an equivalent of the Quest show in England it's it's sort of like a trimmed down version of that but they um they just showed from Ingram passing the ball out and I actually thought it was scored from a goal kick and then having watched the extended highlights from City's website and you see it actually originated from a throw in as you say just a really weird goal. Yeah, it was very strange, and and my comment was again like when I watched the replay and I looked at the, the a couple of different angles of it that when McLaughlin gets the ball and he turns, there's no options really there for him. Um, but he, I personally don't think he should be turning with the ball mm. there anyway when he's under pressure. Like when there's two forwards close by, he shouldn't really be playing with the ball at all. Um, even if that means it just goes straight back to Ingram and he goes out wide or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was a very strange one. 
which I think and like summed uh, up as we we're talking about, or I mentioned before, like all the goal, like very prevent, like essentially preventable goals. Mm. They were all off silly, like silly errors and, and, and moments of madness, essentially, um, which I don't know. I, I, I find those more frustrating, but more forgivable than like deliberately bad play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, was, and it was interesting. I mean, like Shotter said after the game about, especially about that second goal and, you know, why, why were we trying to play it out of defense? And he said, well, we're going to continue to do that because that's the way he wants them to play. And, and that's the sort of thing. I mean, not comparing us to, to Man City, but, you know, that's the sort of thing when Pep first joined Man City where they were making those sorts of mistakes hmm. and they were, they were playing the ball out from defense and they were getting goals scored on them quite easily. And Pep stuck with it and, and the styles obviously developed. And I think, I think it's good to have a manager who's quite strong in his convictions in that sense, where he's not going to panic and change his style just because of one silly error. He sees that that's the way he wants to play and that's the style he wants to play. And so that's what we'll persist with. Um, as you say, I think it's that sort of error where it is almost, it, it is more forgivable because you can see that it's something that can be corrected and it's something that just needs to be ironed out. Um, it's not like we were just ripped apart and on the back foot for the whole game. Yeah, and I think like if if that's the case that this is how Shota wants to play, then then this will be a really good learning experience for them. Yeah, like I you wouldn't expect them. I mean, if they make this that same mistake again in the in the closing stages of the season, then I'll be concerned. Mm. But I would imagine that that you know, I mean, McLaughlin's certainly not going to want to do that again. He's not going to go through that. That sucks when you do stuff like that. So um, I reckon you know whenever he gets the ball there, he'll be much more decisive and clinical in what he does in that position. And that's, you know, and that's what you want sometimes, you know, and especially like you, you, again, we talk about the context of, of like our context and you know, the context of the season, like we, we, not that we can't go down, it's highly, highly unlikely that we're going to end up in a position. Like we'd have to lose all our games and have other people like win pretty much all of their games. Um, highly unlikely that we're going to go down. We're not going to make the playoffs. So what is the problem with, you know, sorting some of this stuff out now, getting the players, you know, used to this style of play, um, you know, in a competitive environment, that means that when we then go into next season, it's not the six weeks of preseason is the only time they've spent working on this stuff. It then becomes like they're revisiting that stuff, you know, and they should be in a much stronger position, hopefully tactically to start, you know, the next season. So I think, um, as long as we, you know, and we don't need to pick up too many more points realistically. Obviously, it'd be great if we picked up whatever 15 points of or however many games we've got left. I think it's only five or six or something. Like, it'd be great if we, you know, won all of them. That'd be sensational. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter at this stage, apart from sort of maybe as you referenced, like in trying to attract more, you know, fans to the stadiums and, and things like that. But yeah, 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 that's right. I mean, so yeah, seven games left um, to play. Reading play Barnsley this weekend as well. Um, Reading being eight points behind us, Barnsley being 13 points behind us. So I think um, if Barnsley were to lose um, and, and hypothetically we were to win, we'd be essentially a game away from mathematically being safe, let alone, you know, in, in reality yeah. being safe. Um, and I think I was just thinking that you know context again. I think that the win against Coventry probably did us uh, like a disservice in 
getting our hopes up, so to speak. Yeah. That, like, you think if, if the games had been reversed and we'd played Luton before we then went and beat Coventry, if we'd have lost 3-1 to Luton bef- like, before we even knew about, you know, what was a sensational performance and a 2-0 win, if we didn't had that before, I don't think everyone would have been so disappointed and bitter about this loss against Luton. Um, but just the well, way it's... things have worked and like a really strong performance then followed up by like a not so great yeah. one, I think is how it's sort of like, what what made people go, oh, well, that was what, that's what's possible. Why can't we do that every week? And I guess yeah. back to that, like, you know, we're, we're still in that transitional period of, of, you know, learning the way that Shadow wants to play and, and working out best 11s still and all that sort of stuff. So I and know. I think it's, and I think it's the, you know, the loss going into the international break always, you know, sits with you a bit longer. So it's a bit more frustrating. Um, but it's, well, you know, it's, are we real good at that? Have we? Did we yeah. Them, I, like every one or something? Or did we actually, I feel like we were going to, did we go, go good in the early international breaks? I, feel like yeah, we I, I do have a feeling, like, yeah. I do have a feeling we had a few where that, that run we went on in October. I'm pretty sure yeah. we went into an international break and we were like, oh, you know, just it was, it was coming playing. out of the international breaks, wasn't it? It was like yeah. we, we won before and we'd we'll, we'll get some decent results and we're like, oh yeah, we're on a roll. And then the international break and we come back and we'd be shit for a few games. Yeah, that's right. Um, anyway. and, and, and it's, you know, it's five games, five games without a win at home, but five games without a loss away as well. So it's, it's, predictable in that sense that it's not as if we couldn't see necessarily see the result coming in that sense but it is something that needs to probably be addressed with that home form um 16,555 in attendance biggest home crowd of the season we sort of talked there about you know the motivation to go out and win a few more games at the end of the season we've got one more two pound game coming up against Cardiff which if it hasn't been done so already before that game that game would be the game to celebrate safety um, which is a good timing to have that as as an as, as another two pound game, and you know surely we can't lose all of them, so hopefully we can get a result in that one. Um, what are your thoughts on attendances so far since since Ajun's come in? It looks like it's sort of starting to trend upwards. I think we were averaging like you know nine, ten, maybe eleven thousand um, season before COVID, and that and now we're getting about fourteen, fifteen thousand average under Ajun um, this season. Seems as if fans are starting to come back. Yeah, look, I think when when the takeover happened, I think even on here, I think it was you, me, and maybe Logan, and we sort of were talking about what we what we wanted for the second for this second half of the season in terms of like the the behind the scenes, what we really wanted Ajun to be able to achieve with the club in that time. And I think we all sort of agreed, like getting bums on seats and getting fans back into the stadium was it was really really important um, for the club moving forward. And I mean. You know, some of these initiatives, We, I mean, we even talked about, you know, whether that was bringing change, changing back to the old, like, seating, uh, like, plans or whatever, or, you know, having these cheap ticket, uh, like, offer days and stuff. And But, you know, he's the things that he's done, obviously, he seemed to be working because, as you say, those those numbers are trending upwards um, steadily throughout the this back half of the season. So, I mean... I think that's. I think. I mean, it can't. It's not. It can't be a bad thing to have more people in the stadium. It's. I mean, apart from maybe the sense if you put in a real woeful performance, there's just more people that saw it live. But yeah. Um, I think it's good, and I think what I think what is nice is that even though maybe the results aren't going the way we want, there is a generally more positive vibe around the club, and that's what we all want. So I think. Um, I think it's doing doing good things so far, and I guess in terms of the football department. 
we'll find we'll really find out what he's about in you know a couple of months time once we have that transfer window open again yeah that's right and uh now i know it's tough to do from the highlights package but we will try to give our mvp votes for the game um i'll kick things off and i'll, and I'll give the three votes to, to tom eaves i thought we've sort of touched on a bit through our discussion of the game i think he put in a really strong performance up top um, I think I think I talked last episode with Logan um, because he had a similar performance in the last game against Coventry. Um, when he's on the top of his game, he's a real joy to watch. He holds the play up really well. He, he gets some good chances to score goals, and he was just a bit unfortunate not to get more than one. I mean, he did score right at the end of this one. Um, he had that really good chance in the first half as well, as you touched on. But um, finishing off a move at the end of the game, good cross from force in for him uh, to get on the score sheet. Um, hard to go past him for the three votes. Um, KLP, I gave the two votes, um, you know, difficult to give much beyond the Eves, Eves, um, Eves votes, but I thought KLP probably our most dangerous attacker besides Eves had a few good chances to get the ball through, um, in on goal, get us into some good attacking positions as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I went Longman for the one vote, but, but really sort of struggled for that one. I, I was sort of tossing up between maybe Honeyman, Longman, maybe Ingram, but I, I couldn't really give it to Ingram after that that sort of passage of play with the second goal, um, even though Ingram did have a few good saves to make. Um, but, yeah, I settled on Ryan Longman. Uh, <laughs> you can just say ditto. <laughs> I, it, it is tough. Look, I mean, yeah, I, I think we were, yeah, with Eves it's interesting because there's like lots of, been lots of periods where he's for the club where he's not done a lot. But I think we've really seen like – you know, he had the option to leave and he said, no, I want to stay and I want to fight for my place. And when you think about that, like, you know, he, he chose to, to reject any, like there were offers for him to go and play football elsewhere. And he said, no, he said he wanted to stay, fight the club. And, you know, essentially like what a fight it has been because he's forced his way back into essentially that, that center forward, the number nine starting role. And like none of the others, the other options we have, they even look like worthy of starting in that position. Yeah. To such an extent that now we're starting to see even the subs that normally the last few weeks it's been, you know, Eves comes off and Force comes on or Eves comes off and um, Smith comes on on or something. But they've actually, but against Luton, they actually left him on and brought those other guys in, you know, Force out of position to play out wide or to play as a two or something. So I think that's, you know, testament to to Eves and, and his character and his effort and his work rate this, in this particularly the last couple of months of the season, he's been been really, really strong. Um, but, yeah, so, I, I mean, I can't – I'm sort of with you. I don't really know what else to do. So I'll give three points to Eves as well. Um, yeah, look, and I'm, I'm feeling the same. I'm like, yeah, Eves, definitely. And then I saw a few highlights where KLP did some some nice stuff, uh, got involved in, in some play, I think whipped in a couple of crosses. Uh tried to was diving behind the wall in case it was a low shot i saw that that was funny um i don't know i'm sort of the same i'm like who do you give a one to anyone who looked like they at least had a dig and i was like ah i'll be generous i'll give one point to to aliar for having a crack he had a shot on goal in the last little section i don't actually think it was on target but he had a shot which is fair enough yeah it, it looked it looked like he's uh I don't know, doing doing stuff. It's hard to hard to see off the highlights. You know, get to see a lot, but 
Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame he's been a bit injured. It gives vibes a little bit of Hernandez's first season, um, where he he had a few soft tissue injuries and couldn't really settle in and get a good run in the side. Um, so I do hope that Saibanesh can get fit. Um, I saw he came off the bench for Iran. I think they were on just after the soccer is finished, and I kind of had a scroll through to see if he was on on the bench. And he came on, and I think he was. I mean, judging by the sofa scores, um, the the app, the sofa score scores. Um, they claimed that he was their best player, um, but uh, you know, hard to hard to judge without actually watching the game. But um, yeah. I, I did find it interesting that he travelled and was part of the Iran squad because I just that maybe I just that that news just passed me by. But um, sounds like he's getting back to fitness, so hopefully he'll get a good run in the side uh, over these last few weeks. Um, cool. Okay. Well, let's move on to some off-field news. We'll round up. Uh, you know, not necessarily off-field, but but you know, non-Luton related. Um, first bit of news was that we had um, quite a few players leave to go on loan to non-league clubs because it was the non-league club loan deadline over the international break. Um, most of those were young players, which was good to see them going out for a bit of experience. Um, but we also had Andy Cannon going out on loan to Stockport County, who are, I think, they're first in the uh, conference, um, which was a really interesting move. Um, I think, you know, good on him going out, getting some game time, getting getting um, the minutes in the legs, presumably putting himself in the shop window for a move this summer. It sounds like he's not got much of a future at the club, which is a bit unfortunate. Scored on debut against Preston North End on the opening day, which was nice to see. Um, but it's a good move for him and, a, and obviously a fantastic move for Stockport to get, you know, a, essentially a championship quality or a top of League One quality player in online. Yeah, look, that one caught me off guard as well. I, when I saw the article, I was like, what? The what? Huh? Um, but, um, yeah, look, I think you, you look at, you know, he's he, essentially his opportunities have been limited this, this season at the club, uh, had a couple of little runs where he's, you know, on the, off the bench a couple of times and had a couple of starts early on, but realistically, I don't, I couldn't, I don't, it was sort of a signing I didn't really probably understand when it happened. It yeah. didn't really feel, it didn't really like, feel like a player who was adding much to the, to the squad as a whole. Um, at least like, like would say Huddleston, for example, who you go, okay, he's, he's old, he's slow, but he's, you know, he's, you know, we know he's got a good head for the game. We know he, you know, he's got a great, you know, first touch. He's got a great distribution. Um, so I can see like how he can add something in the right situation. Whereas Andy Cannon, not that he's bad. He just felt like another of those you know, box to box, sort of, yeah. yeah, run, run, run all day, you know, fight hard, do some good stuff. But, you know, he, he's the sort of player that I think in hindsight was a bad signing. But I think if, for example, Smallwood had been injured early in the season and was out for, say, two months, you suddenly go, oh, well, fantastic. We've got, a, you know, a, a senior body ready to step in that isn't sort of dipping into the under 23s or it isn't um, sort of playing someone out of position to, to fill that need. Um, but it just turned out that we just didn't necessarily need that. Yeah, I sort of wonder if it was something to do with uh, like maybe Honeyman's off-season surgery and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And you know, Wilkes, um, you know, not that Wilkes is a, a midfield, but you sort of go, is this his Cannon was sort of one of those players that you could maybe play out wide in a pinch or something like. I don't know. It sort of felt like maybe there was something there where they went just in case, like you know, some of these guys aren't quite ready or they can't quite get fully fit because. You know, like I mean, you know, Honeyman. If you ask him, he'll. He, I mean, he played injured to finish off last season. He's already played. He 
played with his, his shoulder was a bit dodgy for a few weeks there, and he played pretty much all as much as as much as he was required to of of those games. So, um, yeah, I don't know, but I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's good for him to go out and play football. Um, you know, obviously. And I think Unlikely. it's pretty close to his. I think it's pretty close to his um, family as well. I think he's from that area, which oh, sort of makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unlikely he's probably going to get much game time at at City in the last seven games. Um, but and that's the thing that comes. You know, new new manager, new regime. Some players are going to get you know a tap on the shoulder and told to look elsewhere, and that's um, just what it is. It might very well be the first step of that. You know. Uh, player clean out essentially which yeah. is sort of what we're somewhat expecting i think what's been concerning us some weird comments from some of the players about like they still haven't had those conversations about having their contracts you know resolved or tied up or extended or whatever where you know there was a lot of talk about like oh anyone who wants to sign will stay and we're going to get on yeah. that straight away but it seemed like it was seems like it's taken a while but i think there must have been i can't remember was there some extenuating some circumstance that was stopping that or they were waiting until after something maybe waiting until sure. it seemed like we were safe or something perhaps yeah i mean uh, there was there was news at the start of the uh, the international break that we'd start to get more noise and 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 movement on contracts over this two week period and obviously nothing's been announced no no re-signings have been announced um it could well be that look, we could go out and beat Huddersfield this weekend and then sort of midweek next week we'll get mm. Honeyman and Elder re-signing or something like that. But mm. at this stage, yeah, it's a bit, bit bit strange, I would say, that we haven't had too much noise on that front, but um, I guess we'll see. Yeah. The other thing that I was off-field, I don't even remember when it was. It could be you guys could have talked about it last time, but the Emmanuel posting on Twitter within the last few weeks posted something. Oh, okay. I completely missed that. Oh, he posted something of himself on the bike uh, okay. saying that he was, you know, working hard or getting fit or something, um, which was like a nice, because we'd heard nothing from him at all for, for ages. And then yeah. suddenly he posted something. I'll see if I can. Yeah. Well, that's, that's it, great yeah, news if he's, if he's starting to come back because. I just don't remember when that was. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and then sort of on a lighter note as well, um, it looks like our manager might be one of our best finishers still at the club because he was involved in a uh, Rangers charity match or a Rangers old boys match. Uh, he scored a pretty decent header um, during that game. So uh shows he's still got it, which is uh, pretty, pretty decent to see. Um, and yeah, could, you know, could probably teach some of our forwards a thing or two about finishing off a few, um, few chances. Yeah. Look, I'm going to be honest. I didn't realize that there was that, that that charity game or who was going ahead. And so I saw the replay and I thought it was just another, like someone had posted a, an old video of yeah. like of him playing. For yeah. Rangers. And so I was he, like, and I was like, oh, he looks far too, he looks far and, too mobile to be like, you know? Yeah. And then, and then I looked at it and then so like, I realized that it was, it was like just from the other day. And I was like, yeah, right. And someone made a like it was a bit of a joke comment, but someone made a comment about whether he should be a player manager. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe it's not a bad shout. I mean, yeah. Rooney did it for a bit at Derby, so I was like, oh, imagine that. Yeah, no, Eves, Eves comes off and Arvalad's on for ten at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, that would that would be uh, pretty wild. But no, good to see him out there and uh, still still keeping fit, keeping active, and. Um, I, I I always find it interesting because I feel like managers who are still 
active in that sense and they can presumably get out on the training pitch and actually run around with the players and and, and walk them through different structures and systems i think probably helps the players as well yeah definitely yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on then. We've got a new game this week. I'm starting to, the well is starting to run dry on um, our triple flashback feature questions. Um, so this week we're doing a game of who am I? So probably for the last few weeks of the season, we're going to trial this game and we'll see if we'll, we'll go, uh, kind of keep it on for next season. But essentially what we'll do is we'll, we'll have four clues. The first clue will basically be the number of league appearances and league goals that the player has scored for City. The second clue will be the year that they joined you know, the year that they departed or if they're still at the club um, and their nationality. Third clue will be their position and the shirt number that they wear. And then the fourth clue will be their initials. So I'm sort of hoping that it'll be a case that it's more a case of at what clue do you get it right rather than will you get it right? Because I'm trying to give clues that should kind of basically lead you to it. But we'll see how we go. And that's that's why this is a trial because we'll see how we go. So you could, have, um, you could not have picked a worse person to trial this game on. <laughs> I'm horrendous at this sort of trivia. Well, we'll, we'll see how we go because, um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the first clue is uh, that this player has made 92 appearances for City and they've scored 13 times in the league in that time. 92. So that's like two seasons. 13 goals in two seasons. Uh, yeah, I don't and you, can, know. And you can guess at any point, or you can just say next clue, and I'll okay. Yeah, I'll just give, give me another clue. I reckon yeah. maybe maybe with two clues I can get yeah. it. So the next clue is: so he he joined City in 2019, still plays for the club, and he is English. It's not Eves, is it? Well. <laughs> Well done. I thought I actually I honestly I thought I'd have to go to the next clue. The next clue is going to be a striker who has the number 9. I think once you what I think I'll have to I'll have a think about what I do if I use a current player because I feel like if I give the shirt number for the current player it's reasonably obvious. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that I I thought I'd give you a softball for the first one. I told you you'd get it. So Tom Eves is right. Yep. Um, that's, I, I that's will... not who I was thinking at all in my first, like my first guesses were, for, it was the, for... it was the year that, that got me. Cause I was like, okay, so it's, tw- so it's the last couple of years. And like, cause I actually, at first I was like, how many goals did Irvine score for us? He wasn't there for that yeah, long. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> someone like an Irvine would probably be a good shout for that. Got like, probably, yeah. He got like four or five goals or something in the first season that he was with us. So I was like, well, look at Martin, I, actually, more. I reckon, I reckon he'd be very close to like similar stats on that. Um, so he scored. He scored ten in one hundred and seven appearances. That's pretty similar. That's pretty similar. Which is uh, but there you go. Yeah, because you know his job <laughs> is to score goals. But that's right. Oh, well, that 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 was uh, that was the interesting aspect of that stat when I pulled it up. I was like, oh, you know, thirteen, thirteen goals. You hit thirteen goals, ninety-two appearances. Yeah, you think like a honeyman, or you think like mm-hmm. a midfielder. You don't necessarily think striker. But those ninety-two appearances would include substitute appearances off the bench yeah. in in his defense but yeah look i'll um i'll also obviously pull up some well-known old players i'm not going to pull up like i don't know who's a obscure old player like i don't know um i can't even think of any but you know jack hobbs or someone like that you know so i'm not going to pull up yeah. anyone too 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 um ambiguous but yeah I figure that's a good fun game to do as well. And it's a um, bit of a bit of a competition for the listeners to see what clue that they can pick the player at and um, whether they get it when you get it. 
But uh, there you go. Cool. Okay. Well, then we've just got to finish off with our preview of the Huddersfield game. So we do have, I mean, it's probably the worst week to actually have the daylight savings adjustment, to be honest, because we've got the morning game on Saturday morning at 5.45 a.m. It would have been 6.45, which would have been nice. But um, it is um, the game to kick off the weekend. Um, Huddersfield actually in pretty poor form. They they were on a run at one point where they'd only lost one game since November. Um, but they've actually just lost their last two games to Millwall and Bournemouth um, in a row. Only one win in their last five. Um, they were basically in that Luton position of challenging for the top two, but are now sort of back to sort of challenging for top six, really. Um, I'm just pulling up the table now. But I think they're sitting in fourth at the moment, and they're only four points ahead of Middlesbrough in seventh and QPR in eighth. So um, it'll be a tricky game in that from that point of view. Um, they'll be going out there basically needing that three points to really secure that top six position. Um, and as we touched on earlier, it's probably a game where if we go out there and win it, we're, you know, essentially safe, um, if not already, to be honest, but um, making it more safe. But, but how do you see it? I mean, it, it's it's a pretty tricky fixture, to be honest. Yeah. Look, I can simplify it. i got one question. Are we home or away? <laughs> I was just going to say. Um, so we are at home, so that probably answers the question on what All the result right. will be. I, I reckon this could be, you know, a 2 0 loss. Uh, no, look, I've got to break that streak at some point. At some point, yeah. Look, I, I don't know. I think um, it, it's going to be a weird one because, I mean, we've had a lot of time. That international break can be like a blessing or a curse. I mean, we've had a, a long, you, in one sense, you had a long time to dwell on that result. Um, you know, where, where that's the last game you've played and it's lots of focus on, like, you know, how poor you were. But, you know, if you flip that around, it's like you, you've you've got some specific, like, some really clear examples of things that you got you need to work on. And so you've got two weeks of really focus, like, this is what we need to, you know, like two weeks of really clear focus on, like, playing out from the back, like, under pressure or whatever, for example. We've got a real clear focus of things, like, to avoid. So... I don't know. It could go either way, um, but I'm I'm look, I'm going to be optimistic and say that we're going to you know put in a stronger performance. You know, cut out. I mean, all you have to do really is cut out those silly errors, and that you know, all, I mean, that's been the, the, our curse throughout the season for lots of it. Has been silly errors. Yeah. You know, silly errors it, or or poor defending on on set pieces. So yeah, and it's interesting when you put it like that because when we look at potentially for next season you know, the talk of, oh, well, we're going to be challenging for the top six. And you think, uh, is that really realistic? When you put it like that about how many goals that we've conceded from silly errors, um, and yes, of course, we'll need to score more goals as well. But the gap between the gap that we need to bridge actually doesn't isn't as significant as it might appear. Mm, I think um, it'd be interesting to actually go through, like go through all of the goals and see like which ones, how many of them were like, really easily preventable like in a sense that it was somebody made a mistake like a bad touch or a bad pass essentially that gave marking from a set piece yeah yeah so it'd be interesting to see like how many of them because i know set pieces were one where we've talked lots and lots Mm. about lots of corners in that early section of the season where we weren't marking up and they were getting free headers and easy goals and um so like yeah i think i mean i don't know whether next season is top, top six is realistic i think you know that consolidating and going from you know essentially bottom you know lower bottom lower league to position to a to 10, a mid yeah. mid table or, or you know um you know something like that would be a, would be 
as long as it's progress, I think, like as long as we're moving forward, because yeah. as Jun has said, like he, yes, he, he said Premier, he said Premier League is where he wants to be and like got a lot of people excited. But he also said like he has come out to clarify that and say it may not happen in, you know, a single season. Mm. Like I'm and, not going to go and spend a hundred million dollars on all these players just like just because because if it doesn't work for whatever reason, then yeah, you know, it's it's bad investment. So and, and I think there's an element of being spoiled a bit. By I remember when Steve Bruce came in um, ahead of the 2012-13 season and said we have a three-year plan to get back to the Premier League, and he got back there in the first season. And so we, well, I think there's a little bit of us that are accustomed to once we hear yeah. any sort of talk of Premier League, we think, oh well we'll get promoted next season. You know, it's going to be easy. Um, I think as you say, for me, it's next season. It's, can we just be challenging for the top six? Can we be in that conversation? Even if we finish 10th, 12th, 13th sort of thing. That's all right. This season is at the moment where like, there's not many points between sixth and 15th or something. It's crazy. Yeah, that's right. So if you're in that section, like at this time next season, you'd, you'd be pretty happy if you were in that, you know, competing for, even if you did miss out. Um, because it's a far sight better than, you know, being mathematically safe of relegation. So, um, yeah. But anyway, we've gone a little bit further forward than um, we antici- anticipated. In, Manchester in this short. game? Um, I mean, I'm not sure. But, I mean, in terms of player availabilities and fitness and things, I, I think I'd, I actually probably would just like to bring Slater back into centre mid, would- probably, over Doherty. Would you um, start Baxter? This is probably going to be a question well, repeated most weeks. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I don't know. There was a bit of talk about it. I know there was a bit yeah. of talk about it before the international break. And I think especially with the 3-1 loss and the nature of that second goal, we've sort of talked previously mm. about, you know, if you were to make a change in goalkeeper, you'd wait for an you opportunity need, need like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, I... I can sort of, it's, I think it's like a flip of the coin thing. I could see either yeah. way and probably be pretty happy. Yeah. I think like, even though there was that real, that calamitous error, there was also a, a couple of real nice saves that he pulled off in, in, you know, efforts to redeem himself. And he actually wasn't, he got a, 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 a decent touch on the first, uh, on the first yeah. goal um, when, you know, he's, one-on-one like he did about as much as he could probably do so like yeah conceded three you know the goal the free kick you can't no one's ever no one's doing anything about that one so yeah but like was it overall necessarily a really poor performance maybe not could you use that uh second goal as an opportunity to to make the change and, and and not necessarily like hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah, I think you absolutely could. Um, but yeah, look, I don't know. I mean, if Baxter's fit again, which I think he is now, yeah, because it yeah make it, a change. I think it, like... if if we're talking about that that desire to pass out from the back, I think that was one of the big pros on Baxter over Ingram was just his ability with his feet. So it could be it could be a move. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, that has been a, a thing that we've we've noted throughout the season that Baxter's distribution is a little bit better than Ingram's. Um, so in, in that regard, yeah, making me make decisions. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, probably. I probably would bring Baxter in if I was, if I, if I had to make the choice. Um, and I've been inside of the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even 
what's up with Fleming? Is he still good, I, I, or did he? I think he's good. I think, injured, I think it was. I think it was just I, a rotation to give Elder a bit of game time. But yeah, not too sure. I think um, not. Like, and I, I do like Elder, um, but he's had a bit of a stop-start season this year, um, and since Fleming's come in, he's been pretty, pretty damn good most games, mm. bar a couple of little, couple of silly errors. Um, I probably bring. Fleming back in, he seems to create. It's sort of like who was rotating with Elder before? Because we had one like Elder was really, or was it Elder and someone else? I'm trying to remember, uh... one offered more going forward, and then one seemed a little bit more defensive. And so Fleming seems to was... be able to. I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy. I can't remember. I feel like last season, I think Elder played most of the games. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I assume Fleming played a bit of last season as well. And then also the season. Maybe I'm, so just, just maybe I'm thinking of Elder. Maybe I'm thinking of Elder and Fleming. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I'm off my tree. Oh, uh, um, um, no, you're not. It's, um, oh, he's gone out of my mind. So he definitely won't be one of the Who Am I players. Um, Scottish bloke. His name I've completely forgotten. Scottish bloke. I <laughs> uh, got him from Swansea. Um, name's gone out of my head. I'll, I'll 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 look him up. But yeah, we 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 did have. Um, oh, did... um, yeah, I can't remember. I know who you're doing right now, but I can't remember. Yeah, either. I don't know if that's who I'm thinking of, but yeah, maybe. Because I, I I think he left. I, I think he left on relegation to League One, and then in League One it was basically Elder and Fleming. Hmm. Um, but yeah. it anyway, was doesn't matter. I think anyway. Fleming. I think what what I think happens is that Things Fleming like... offers, yeah, maybe maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. It's too many names, too many things yeah. going on. Uh, I think Fleming offers a little bit more when he pushes forward and gets into those into the boxes. I think like in that more dynamic sense. I think Elder like offers a really good cross sometimes, um, but I think like that ability to take on a player and be able to make something happen. Fleming sort of has somehow managed to got that, has got that, whereas Elder not so much. Um, but I mean, it seems like it's real fortuitous the way that Fleming goes about it sometimes. Like it just sort of bounces out and back to his feet. But you know, if it works, it works. Um, so yeah, probably the the couple of changes. Um, and I don't know, like if if Sardamanesh is fit. I just want him to start a game soon. I just want to see what he can do with a with a big stretch of game time, um, because there's all this promise, but we're only seeing these like tiny little snippets of him. And yeah, like he's only here like feasibly. He's only here for seven more games if like it yeah. doesn't work out the way that we want it to or whatever. I'm a bit and, curious about that. If if he doesn't score or doesn't really start many games if we're still going to just exercise the option anyway yeah i don't, I don't know but like how do you how can you make the formality dis- but yeah yeah it's hard to make that just dis- i mean maybe it is maybe they've already like essentially made up their mind somewhere that they're just going to acclimatize him bit by bit this season and then you know looking for looking to use him you know more as a as a first 11 next season or something but it just seems hard to make a decision when he's hmm. only getting. I know, I know the couple of injury things and and whatnot, but ten minutes here and there, it's hard to like make a, a good call. And if he's fit enough to get called up to go and play internationals, then surely he can, you know, play for a, play an hour or something. Yeah, that's right. And so I'd almost say, you know, 
you switch back to a 4-3-3, you put him up on the right next to Eves and KLP, just to give him a start, give him a go. Um, as you say, we can't make a call if we don't see him. So may as well may as well give it a go if he's fit. Yeah, I think like we've got seven games to go. It's not that they're free hits. Like we do still need to pick up a few points, but like there's no we got got to try some stuff. Um, see what I guess it depends on how he's supposed to fit into Shotter's plants. That's going to be yeah. the thing. That's um, right. Because that's what we're working on getting. He's or that's what he's working on is trying to I imagine build for next season. So I don't know. I mean, there's quite a few changes, more changes than I probably anticipated suggesting. But uh, let's go with those four that I suggested. Who was the fourth? I missed. I was. Oh, I was well, that was Alar coming in. So oh, back, so it's so Fleming, Baxter, and Slater. Slater, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. And and so we're predicting a win, or you're going to go with the automatic home loss. Uh, I don't know. A, a one-all draw. That's what I'm predicting. I'm going to sit on the fence. Yeah, I'll take a one-all draw at this stage. To be honest, just stop the rot. Um, get a get a point. Um, Huddersfield. Yeah, as I said, will be tricky. Um, two losses in a row for them though does make does mean that they're gettable. Um, and first game after the international break is always a bit interesting. Um, so I'll see how we go. But yeah, look, I think Baxter in for me definitely. Um, Slater back into midfield. And, yeah, I'd love to see, say, Manesh up top as well. Actually, probably the four changes that you said, Fleming back in as well. Um, I, I, I can't really argue with any of them. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what we do. Um, but we've got that to look forward to Saturday morning. So until then, thanks for joining me, Dan. Not a problem. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. We'll be back this time next week, um, slightly earlier than we've been going uh recently i do have uh puppy school appointments every wednesday night now which is keeping me from a wednesday recording time uh little george who's been added to the family named after the honeyman the honey monster um so that's been a lot of fun but yeah we'll be back this time next week to review the huddersfield game and to look ahead to a couple of remaining fixtures in the season but until then come on see You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook group, or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back cause you're out.